so happy that everyone was able to join us today and join us in worship and be a part of what we're doing uh, in this fellowship. No matter where you came from, we hope that not only were you able to feel something significant that could change your life, but also that you feel the love of the people that are around you. It's a wonderful and a beautiful thing for us closer. All right. Is that better? It's a wonderful thing for us to be able to dwell together and be together in unity for one purpose and one purpose only. There's a lot of sub-purposes that come off of that, but our main goal and our main focus is to worship our Lord. And so hopefully everyone has been able to be a part of that today. I thank God for every, uh, everyone that's a part of the moving parts and that make this Sunday, this Sunday fellowship and gathering able to happen. So we thank God for that. Uh, I guess I'll preach now. Today, um, we've been going through the entire New Testament over this last year. And we were speaking this morning. We've come to the end of the month of June. And so with it being June the 26th, we're about halfway through the New Testament today. So hopefully you've been able to go on that journey with us through our podcast, through the Word each week. This week, I'll be speaking concerning Romans chapter 9 through Romans chapter 13. Don't worry, I'm not going to read all of that, and I'm not going to even preach all of that. Uh, I was doing what I do and working all through the week in both ministries at Christway at Recharge, and I kept rehearsing the thought of Romans, which is such an important epistle, a letter from Paul to the church in Rome, and rehearsing these particular chapters, and I stumbled upon something, you know, I'm trying to find something to preach. I kind of play a game with myself. I try to preach something that I haven't preached. (sighs) But when you get to Romans... That there, Romans chapter 12, just hits you and hits you and hits you. And so today, unfortunately, I'll be preaching something that I've probably preached many times. Uh, The book of Romans chapter 12. I'm going to do something. I'm going to read it. And after I read it, we'll talk about it. Uh, It'll be up on the screens, and you're more than welcome to read with us. I chose the New Living Translation today. So it's Romans chapter 12. Verse 1 says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you learn, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect, or as Curly would say, perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, this is Paul, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. 
measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out, I love this, with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, if you guys can hear me over in Romine, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. That's what that three minutes was about. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. Never be lazy on Saturday, Arnick. Help us, God. But work hard and serve the Lord. Here's the trick. Enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those. Uh-oh. This is what I wanted to get to. Paul loses his mind and gets more difficult. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. I'm so glad my wife isn't here. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. We're almost done. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the scriptures say, he will take revenge. I'll take revenge. I'll pay them back, says the Lord. If your enemies are hungry, instead, feed them. Hear me, America. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. They're thirsty. Give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That's a lot to unpack in 21 verses. Today I want to have a conversation with you. I think I have a title screen. Is it up there? Yeah, the man in the mirror. This is a fun little preach. Function over unction of the spirit. The man in the mirror. Now as soon as I said that in our morning meeting, sing it Andy, 
gonna make a change. <laughs> oh. It's amazing after, what, 30 years since that song came out, 40, don't date me back there, 30, about 35 years since that song came out, it's still relevant. The lyrics say this, I promised I would say them. Gonna make a change for once in my life. Gonna feel real good, it's gonna make a difference, gonna make it right. As I turn up the collar on my favorite winter coat, this wind is blowing my mind. I see the kids in the street without enough to eat. Who am I to be blind pretending not to see their need? I'm pretty amazed at the fact that nobody ever understood what Michael was saying, but I understood it. A total disregard, somebody's broken heart, and washed out dreams. They follow the pattern of the wind you see, because they've got no place to be. That's why I'm starting with me. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to make a change. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world don't act like y'all don't know the song in here. <laughs> if you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. I was privileged when I was 21 years old to play for the Winans family. Gospel royalty. As a matter of fact, when we were kids, we thought that the Winans were the Jacksons because we grew up in church we couldn't listen to secular music. So to us, Marvin and Carvin and Ronald and Cece and Bebe, we thought that they were gods walking amongst the earth. So I'm 21 years old and I get a call to come to Virginia. At the time, I'm playing all over the country as a musician. And I get a call to come to Virginia and it is my aunt who at the time is teaching at Founders College in Virginia Beach. She's a regular on the 700 Club and a regular on TBN. And she said, I'm having a church convention. I want you to come out to this church convention and play. And I said, because I knew every year she got a celebrity. The year before, it had been Donnie McClurkin. The year before that, it had been the Clark sisters. One year she had Michael W. Smith and all his writers. So I said, I can come out. Who are you bringing? And she said, I'm bringing Ronald Winans. And my heart dropped to my feet. Fast forward, Ronald shows up to the hotel we're staying in. I promise I'm going somewhere. Ronald shows up to the hotel that we're staying in. And he walks through the door. And I'm only 21 years old, mind you. And I, I was about 100 and. 75 pounds, and I hadn't gotten to eat all day, and I had been in prayer and in playing at several different services. And he walks through the door, and this is not an exaggeration. They bring him into this huge hotel, and I'm supposed to come up and meet him. And I collapsed. The weight of meeting him overwhelmed me. Understand, I had his poster on my wall as a kid. 
I, no, seriously. I'll see you back there, Shannon. Seriously. I had Ronald Winers, De Denise Williams, Michael W. Smith. Uh, I had them all on my wall as a kid. And I had my chance to meet this guy, and I, 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 I don't want to use the word feign it because it sounds kind of dainty. But I feign it. When I came to a friend of mine who was singing back up that night was on a hotel couch next to me, and apparently she had collapsed too. I promise none of this is exaggerated. This is a true story. Fast forward to 7 p.m. I'm in the service, and he walks through the door. He comes up to preach, and he's about twice the distance of those flags from me. And he looks over from the podium, and he says, Hey, kid, why don't we sing a little bit before we preach? And I'm like, here we go. And he began singing a song out of the 76 songs that they had recorded. And I knew all of them. I've challenged Dr. Stewart over here many times that I can play and catalog them all. He began singing a hymn like Andy does every week that I don't know. I had my moment. And I wasn't prepared. And in that moment, he could have denigrated me. I want you to understand something. I've been on stage and played for stars before and missed a note and been embarrassed in front of thousands of people. I was waiting for him to hand me my rear end. And he looked over and he said, you don't know it? And I said, and he took off walking. And he left the stage. He walked over to me, pulled up another chair, and we proceeded for the next hour to play the piano and sing together. I didn't miss my moment. He got up to preach, and he began talking, and he said some things I didn't know. He began to talk about Michael Jackson. After the service, I asked him, so you're personal friends with this guy? And he's like, oh, yeah, I know him. He said, as a matter of fact, you may not have known this, but on the song, Man in the Mirror, my whole family sang on that song with him. So we're the ones in the background singing. And I asked him what that was like. And he used a term I hadn't heard in my young years. He said... Michael has a real conviction. And he began to talk to me. We played and sang until about 5 a.m. in the morning. But he talked to me about convictions. He didn't ask me where I was trained as a musician. He asked me how I was raised. He didn't ask me what my college ambitions were. He asked me, what are you going to do for the kingdom? The next night he preached again, and unbeknownst to me, he had made a choice to call me to the pulpit and pray for me. And he spoke over my life, and I'll never forget it, because he said things about me 
that I know I hadn't told him. And he spoke into me one thing that never changed from that day forward. You do not belong to yourself. You belong to God. As I was reading this scripture, and I was thinking about the King James Version and how poetic it is, where it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. Then it says, and be not conformed to this world. I was listening to, I always call her Dr. Melinda. I think she has such an intelligence and just a gift, and we, we value that. I was listening to her as she came up during transition, and I heard her say it all about this scripture, in that the child of God, because of our relationship with Christ, as we preach the grace and mercy of Christ and we celebrate that we don't have to be in shame and we celebrate that we live in him and that he called our name before we were ever born, that we were chosen, uh, it's, it's a mystery, before the foundation of the earth to be conformed to the image of Christ. We weren't worthy. The Bible says in due season Christ died. Not for the just people, but for the unjust, for the ungodly. And we celebrate that. But every time we throw a party, somebody's got to clean up the blooms. Every time something happens in this world and we have an opportunity to be Christ-like, to really let it permeate from our faces and from our lips who we are in Christ. We have to take that opportunity the same way that we take advantage of the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. I celebrate God's forgiveness every time I wake up and realize I saw another sunrise. But I can't get so caught up in the celebration that I forget that there is a residual that must be returned to God as a result of his goodness and his mercy. And he says it like this, and I don't think it could be any more poignant. Salvation is free, but discipleship costs something. I talked to Ronald a little further about his family, and he let me on to a secret that I, I never knew about them. He said, the only one of us that's truly saved is Cece." Some of you got some bias in here, but he said we would come into her room and we would be prepared to go on the 700 Club and PTL. Some of you that are older remember those things. Praise the Lord. And they go uh, and sing all these songs all over the country, all over the world. But every morning, he said, when we would be about to leave, it was 10 of us, 10 children. There would be one on their face before the Lord. And our job was to come and lay next to her and try to disrupt her prayer any way we could. She was one of the youngest of us. She was child number eight. But she would lay on her face before the Lord because she did not think that singing was just a gift. She took it as a mission. 
And she wanted her life to be about service, A, to the body of Christ, and B, mission to the world. So she would pray. And what they did not know at the time is that she would sing before popes and that she would sing before German monarchs. She would sing in Asia. She would sing all over this world in languages and have to learn her songs in Dutch and Portuguese and Spanish and sing that all over this world. Because it's a possibility that we're in here today and we're gifted, but we don't know the mission. So I come today to wake you up to the person in the mirror. Everybody, I love this part, everybody when you preach a sermon always has somebody in the room that they're pointing the sermon at. That's the nature of being in a fellowship. So if I say, you know, you need to stop talking about people, our minds go somewhere. Or Andy, if I say, somebody missed a note today, everybody's mind goes to the stage, and we start doing process of elimination. It either had to be Talisha, Arnick, Michelle. I don't think Tyler can miss a note on the drums. Or it had to be Lawrence. Because it's in our nature to find example. But the question is, is what happens when God designs it so that he points that pointer at you. A relationship with God goes like this. God relieves you of shame. Can we just take a moment and celebrate that? He relieves you of guilt and condemnation and tells you that you don't have to operate that way. I didn't come to condemn anyone. I did not come to make anyone walk out of here feeling like their discipleship is less than mine. We don't have a hierarchy in God's house. We don't have partiality. But what I do want you to feel is the same thing I felt when a six-foot-three, 400-pound man put his hand on my head and spoke, God, give him a conviction. I want you to take away your own perception of what your life should and must be and start to accept that perhaps maybe God has to have something to say about who you are. As I said, I listened to Melinda pray and one thing that she said about things that are going on in our nation that I won't go into, that's for the lead to address. Many times as Christians, in a free nation, in a place where the media is so prevalent and where people have literally taken on the concept that there are really only two sides to every story. Many times, the difficulty of living day to day has nothing to do with what you don't have. Some of you have learned to live with that. I'm going to say something and I don't want anybody to laugh, okay? I'm fat. I've learned to live with it. I heard you over there. I've always been a big bone person to live with that. 
My wife is smarter than me. I'm learning to live with that. But the hard part is getting up every day and having the pressure to come up with an opinion that serves in the moment. There's different opinions in here right now. One Christ. One spirit. And so then we start to have a uniformity when we start to conform to how he thinks and not take it upon ourselves to feel pressured to address much of anything. If you want to win, it's Christ's love. If you want to step out of here on Monday through Saturday and do the right thing, have the love of Christ. They, they attempted to trap him. They attempted to draw him in. They attempted to get him to say political things and have opinions, and Jesus knew that this was a trap. So instead, he led with love. In everything we do, we lead with love. Then there's no question about what I should do, whether I'm in the house or outside the house. We lead with love. We lead with love. Seems impossible sometimes, and it seems that Paul in the scripture looked ahead and saw that in our humanity, this is the same man that said, when I would do good, evil is present. This is the same man that said, man, everything that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, that's what I do. He's outlining the human condition. And so he speaks in the scripture and says, what is the formula? to relieve myself of the pressures of this world and not be moved with the wind. The book of Psalms says the ungodly person is like the chafe which the wind drives away. But the person that has a godly mind is like a tree, planted. They bring forth fruit. Their leaves don't wither. And what they do, it prospers. So then Paul gives a formula to not end up in the paradox that he found himself in. To not end up moving with the wind and not being able to control the dynamics of his output. I almost went insane this week. This is actually kind of funny. I gave myself a deadline to the end of June to have our broadcast up and streaming. I'm telling on myself. And I worked everything out ahead of time. Well, I did all the studying. I did all of the, I checked all the boxes. I met with people. I went to churches. I even got things working. I called people and told them, I got it working, bro. Then I came across something that I did not expect. And I probably spent about 25 man hours on it this week, trying to work it out, only to find out that the solution was very simple, but I led with my own mind. It wasn't until yesterday that in an act of de desperation, I went to the technological pall of the city. I walked into Best Buy desperate. 
and I got somebody, you know, under the age of 25. I said, man, I did this. He said, yeah, you would. And I said, and then I did, oh, yeah, yeah, you would. Well, you know that all that splicing and all that stuff that you're doing, we, we have the part. But even if you hook that part up, it'll never work that way. And you have to do this, and you have to do this. And I just stood there dumbfounded. Because I had been working on my own mind. Paul is speaking to us, speaking to us right now, today. He says on another occasion, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. I made the point about Best Buy because there was an issue with the output, not what I was putting into the computer. And if you, don't get lost here, but if you communicate with the computer, it doesn't matter what you go into it and do. You can do all kinds of miraculous things. And I'm looking at the screen, Jeremy, and I'm like, it's here. I, I fixed it. The problem is, is that when you stream, you have to know what the output's going to be what the people sitting at home will get. I've been rebuking myself for the last 24 hours about this because when I saw it, it hit me with a revelation. Doesn't matter what I know about myself if my output is off. I don't want to miscommunicate who I am to people. I don't want people to see me and not see Christ. I mean, I am 6'1 and pounds. And I've been told that in just seeing me walking down the street, I was at uh, Indiana Beach on beautiful Lake Schaefer, Monticello, Indiana. And I walked into the bathroom with Elijah, and he was a little tyke. And there was a lot of people there. And he had to use the restroom, and I stood against the wall. And I'll never forget it. I'm standing against the wall. And this guy, he's about 5'8", probably about 140 pounds. He walked up to me, and he tapped me on the shoulder. And I had sunglasses on, and I had on all black in the summertime for some reason. And all he said to me, Andy, was he said, tap. He said, just want to let you know something, brother. It's working. And he went to walk away and he turned back around and he said, you're scary. <laughs> I began to laugh and talk with the man. Before long, he knew I was a minister. Before long, he knew that I was a musician. Before long, he knew he had comfort in my presence. But the output, am I helping anybody? The output was, you're scary. From then on, I've considered it a mission to make sure that babies, kids, women walking down an alley don't see me and get intimidated. They know help is on the way. Yeah. Yes, yes, you can clap. I am the Batman. I am. I am the Batman. I am the Batman. 
Andy, the first birthday gift he ever bought me was a big plaque with the Batman symbol on it. And it hangs in my formal living room. What am I saying, folks, as I close? I beseech you. I cry out to the people that are hearing me under the sound of my voice. Present your body a sacrifice. Whatever can be done, one of the greatest sins in this world is not that which you commit. We love talking about, you know, all the cardinal sins, the things that we think are the things that get people in trouble, the things you commit. But I'm here to tell you what you willfully omit from your life in service to others is one of the greatest things you can do to offend what God has done in us. Serve the Lord with, serve the Lord with, it does not mean that everything will feel good. To every teacher, to every leader, to every person with the gift of prophecy, those of you that have the gift to encourage. Kirk Franklin made a statement. He said, you may be the only Jesus that a person deals with. So I say to you, talk to the man in the mirror. If we want to solve the issues of this world, it's not just this country. We live in a great country. I'm happy to be standing here with the right to worship, the right to speak, the right to say what's on my mind. But when I wake up in the morning, I don't get out of the bed. Let's go reform somebody else. Let's go get them. No. The justice that we do to this world is when we wake up and we hold a mirror to ourselves and we say, are you Christ-like? When we do that, we'll be fair. When we do that, we won't need to vote to show our opinion. When we do that, people will see us and glorify the Father who's in heaven. So as you worship, as you sing, as you come in here together, always remember that this body, Jesus gave his life, died for us, bled for us, was buried for us. The residuals of that, that what we pay back is now to be the living version of Christ. And when you live like Christ, you may be spit upon. God help me. When you live like Christ, you may not be loved, but your output is love. Let's pray in this moment. God, we just ask that you hold a mirror to us. We thank you for your grace. No one in here is condemned. No one in here has to be guilt-ridden or ashamed. We signed up for you to make us over, to make us more like you. We celebrate the parts of you, Lord, that are free and giving, but we also pay attention and we open our eyes to the mind of Christ the one that was so humble in the face of adversity, the one that lived with an expectation that every day would be to please the Father. That's who we want to be like. 
Give us a hope in you. It's hope that makes us not ashamed because of your love that's shed abroad in our hearts. Help us to give that love to others as, as you've so richly given to us. And to not be conformed to the things of these world, this world, not to be involved in the conversation of this world and the way the world thinks, but let us be transformed in our minds, not for our own vainglory, not so we can be puffed up or self-righteous, but so that we can prove what is good and acceptable and your perfect will. We pray that in your name. Andy. So the uh, chapter 12 starts with this. It says, I beseech you. You understand what the crowd is when he says, I beseech you? There's a little pushback. It's not just doors wide open, slide right in. Paul had to say to people, I'm really reaching for you here. He added some emphasis to it. Not just great sermon, thanks a lot, enjoy your week. But he said, I beseech you by the mercy of God that we present ourselves. What were those things? Living? Yeah, living sacrifice. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to take a next step into living your life as a sacrifice to God in his purpose, which is our orange banner? We hear so much in here about salvation and the innocence that it brings. And a lot of churches, we're just trying, you know, that's just it. That's a one-bannered gig. But here we realize salvation and freedom aren't the same. Like, we actually want you to be free. Free. And when those are in place, what Arnick brought today, a quintessential message about redemption and purpose, being able to walk into that space where our life is not our own. The language that I use, I serve at the pleasure of the president. Like, I serve the Lord as he directs. And it is open book, wide open. My mentor, powerful man of God, I asked him, I said, what do you do every day? Tell me what you pray in the morning. I had a notebook and everything. He said, I put my feet on the floor in the morning, and I say, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O God. And he said, I start my day. I said, okay, I got that. And what else do you do? He said, that's my posture the whole day. I'm simply open to God the whole day. I was sitting back there reflecting as you were speaking, and again, great job, man. In the last two years, I had a conversation with a 20-something. We were out here in the hallway. No one was here. It was a weekday. We were talking about wearing masks and different things like that, and he brought that up, wanted to ask me about it. And so I mentioned something to him. I said, well, we honor people, right? We serve the Lord, people at risk. We honor them even if it's an inconvenience to ourselves. And he came back at me with this. He goes, what about my rights? And I'm like, dude, you don't have any rights. You don't have any rights. You're bought with a price. Your life is not your own. So, Sorry if I'm the first one to let you know that, pal, but not in this kingdom. You serve others. You put yourself out there. You lay aside all those self things. That's why he had to use the word, I beseech you. 
He reaches to us, recognizing that not only will people be helped so much by our service, but it is part of our path of full life, fulfillment, walking through all those things. And yes, salvation is free. And yes, discipleship costs you everything. But it is a price worth paying. When we look to him, whatever that day is, wherever we actually physically stand, whatever's going on, and we're in the big long line, and he's sitting there, whatever that looks like. The scripture tells us that we're all listening to hear a particular phrase. And that phrase is, well done, good and faithful servant. So my encouragement, I'm going to pick up some things. In fact, the personal thing that I'm going to start, just this way, I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to start looking at Romans 12. I led with Romans 12. It hit me this morning before you even preached, but I'm like, man, this is the way to live. And to pray that and to remind myself of that. I can probably quote much of Romans 12, but that's not what I'm talking about. Pray it. Remind myself. Take it to the floor. Surrender that. That's my call. That's what I'm getting called to do. Be in that space. Are you willing to answer your calling? The calling for you today. Today. I want to pray and we'll get out of here. Lord, thank you for the calling. Help us walk in that space. Thank you for the word. Simply a trust. A recognition of mercy. And God, somehow, let us have hope in what you're doing. How you're doing it. And yes, there's a struggle. That's what the Garden of Gethsemane shows us. There's a struggle. But we're called into that space. So help us all. Help us help each other. To say, not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. And then we surrender. We take those steps and you work through us as a conduit of your ministry and your spirit and your presence. And our life takes a fullness that for many of us, maybe we've never even known. So we're excited about that. Thank you for the calling Thank you for the privilege it is to serve you, be a part of your body, and work in your kingdom. Glorify your name, Jesus. Thank you for your salvation and your freedom and your redemption. May your grace and strength and peace fill this congregation and this community. In Jesus' name. Thank you for being here today. Blessings to you. Walk in that calling. Let's see what the Lord does.